People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right, today we have an awesome magician, Jeffrey Allen. He is what I consider the face of the American Museum of Magic. He's on the board of directors, but I consider him the face of the American Museum of Magic. <laughs> um, he's an awesome magician, and um, that Museum of Magic, I think, was the inspiration for David Copperfield's International Museum for the Library of Conjuring Arts. Everybody, it's Jeffrey Allen. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? Uh, we're doing great, man. Just hanging out, waiting for this interview today. I had a dream about you and Copperfield, and I'm doing research on your museum, Copperfield's museum, and I dreamt that I was going through these museums last night. That's how into this I am. So let's let's oh, dig cool. deep, man. Yeah, what's what's happening? Well, I just came from there. I was at the Collector's Expo in Las Vegas. That's, um, I can't believe, two weeks ago already. And we got a special tour of David's museum as collectors. The Collectors Expo are made up of about 150 persons who are very passionate about collecting antique magic and the history of magic. That's so awesome. I, I was looking at all the pictures and it, I was just, you know, envious of you guys. It just seemed like such a good time. It always is. So how long have you been going to the collector's convention? Um, vicariously or in real life? No, I, it, it goes all <laughs> over the United States, and uh, I haven't been going for, for too long, actually. I've just um, been on the outside looking in, and this year I decided to make the trek to Vegas, particularly since they were going to be touring David's museum. Dude, that, that was worth the price of admission right there. That's so cool. Um, before we start talking about your museum and all that stuff, I mean, this thing, we, we got a three-part podcast here in an hour, so 58 minutes already. Um, three parts. So you, the museum that you're on the board of directors of, and um, you as part of the IBM board member as well. So uh, let's get talking about you, man. So how'd you get started in magic? We got to start there. Yeah, when I was 10 years old, I received a magic set for Christmas or for the holiday, and uh I got the bug, you know. I started performing, and evidently it was natural enough for my neighbors to hire me for a birthday party. And that was my first paid show was when I was 13. Dude, that'll solidify right there when you get cash from what you love. Yeah, yeah. the thing is, I, I point back to it now even with more intensity because the birthday person was Alan Gustafson. Wow. Who, who became... Yeah, you should... Maybe in Virginia, you know, that that is, um, oh my gosh, Chase Elliott's uh, crew chief right now is Alan Gustafson. Okay, I thought it was family members of the Gustafsons that were magicians. I thought you inspired oh, that no. family somehow. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it's, it's the NASCAR guy. Wow. He, wow. he was uh, Jeff Gordon's crew chief until Jeff retired, and now he's with Chase Elliott. That's but that was my cool. first birthday party. That's awesome. My first birthday party I ever did, I remember vividly doing Nickels the Dimes. So uh, <laughs> w what was your first show like? I mean, that was one of my tricks well, in my show. That was the first show. trick I ever saw was Nickels the Dimes. And, that's, uh, and I was like, wow, that is so cool. A friend of mine had it at school and, and did it. And then I got interested in, you know, I was talking about magic and I asked for that magic set. And got that. I think that might have had a cheap version of nickels to dimes in it. Now that I think about it. Now you rate, you sent we, us a go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. We we were we were just. Uh, I think everybody in that time was getting a magic set for Christmas. I I know I got one. I've bought my daughter several. I mm -hmm. I, I love them. You sent over a video of your museum. Do you have a um your original kit in the museum or a copy of your original kit? Yeah, the original kit that I had was the Bill Bixby Magic Set. So awesome. I, I bought the DVD set of Bill Bixby the Magician. I love Bill Bixby as a magician. So cool. Yeah, that was a cool show. One season. Um, incidentally, I am also big in television history. Um, and 
yeah, that's a that was one season. I think seventeen, maybe eighteen episodes is all that ran. And some of them really did have some cool twists and turns. It was it was kind of cool. I was watching them. When I was in the gym, and I would come in the house afterwards, and I would tell my wife. So in this episode, you really thought it was this guy, but it turned out to be, it was really, <laughs> some of them had good writing. It was really good. Uh, um, Mark Wilson was their technical advisor, so that was that made it more authentic. Well, and then they did some episodes that were actually, and it was season two, or they did two half seasons, but the second season, they rewrote everything. He didn't live in the airplane anymore. He actually lived at the Magic Castle. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. I love that show. So uh, you went off from your first birthday party, and um, where did you oh, go from there? Started, well, then I started doing magic, and I also joined the thespian group in uh, high school uh, while I started doing that's, um, plays. You know, I was in theater in high school. I was in every play except the first one uh, freshman year. So they did two a year. I was in seven of them. Wow. And I just really got into that. And the performance, we did variety shows in the school. And while my friends were bagging groceries or delivering newspapers, I was doing magic shows every weekend. That was my job through high school. That's nice. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So, and every, you know, look at the newspapers or every event in my hometown, I was the magician. So that worked out well, too. Um, Became friends with most of the dignitaries in the town and, Hey, we need a magician. Call Jeff, you know. So that's what they did. That's the way you want it. That's the way it ought to be. <laughs> now, is that is that the same town you're in now, or have you moved away? I am not. I'm I'm about an hour north, or excuse me, southeast of where I grew up. I'm in Grand Rapids. Okay, and you just got done with a with not only going to the expo, but you also got done with a lecture tour. Were you doing any shows on that tour as well, or just lectures? Yes, I, I do. I do my opener, the opening of my show for the lecture, and then I perform two of my own magic tricks, magic effects um, that I that I sell. And so I, I did those. I demo those, and then move into the lecture. The lecture is the history of magic as seen on television. Oh, that's cool. As I cool. mentioned earlier, I'm a television historian. I'm actually recognized by Columbia University as a, as a researcher, a media researcher. So uh, I just combined that with my passion for magic and put together this lecture a few years ago. Did it from the local ring here, the ring uh, IBM group, and they really liked it. And so I just put, put it on the road, you know? Okay, so I love Mark Wilson. Don't get me wrong, but what I'm about to say might sound like I don't like him, but I love Mark Wilson. I think that Mark Wilson's responsible for every magician. You say, oh, you're a magician. My kid would love you. I think that's Mark Wilson's fault. Because in other countries, <laughs> magic's put on a pedestal. You go to China, they worship magicians. They're the top entertainers. It's, But here, it's always kids' birthday parties, magician, magician. And it's because of Magic Land of Alakazam, I think. What, what, would, the, what would the doctor of magic television say to that? Um... Alex Zam was, was certainly a a show that was, you know, looked to by a number of persons. It was on before I was around. Right. So I don't remember the Magic Land of Alakazam that way. I have all the episodes, but I don't, I mean, I have some, I should say I have some of them from Greg. But I, um, I didn't see it when it was first on. So I'm not sure that that influenced me. Maybe... Um, no, I'm not saying influenced you. I'm saying influenced America to have that in their head that, you know, magicians are for children. Oh, I see. Because yeah, he um, had he had Rebo the Clown. It was Saturday mornings, and he was doing big illusions. I mean, he was sawing her in half. He was he was doing big stuff. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that the magicians that were on Bozo were more like the birthday party magicians. Okay. I, I don't know. Okay, yeah. That might have been a wider-reaching thing. Not everybody watched Alakazam, but I, it's a good question. Anyway. What, what brought the professionalism back to magic, though, is the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. Ed Sullivan had some real class acts, and, and they're rerunning that now on Decades Television, and you can see the old players again, you know, Jay Marshall and, and Marvin Roy. Cardini. And 
Slidini, yeah, um, they're all they're all there. Um, Fantasio is on there. So, so I grew up in a video store. I love movie. I love movie history. I love television. Where do you think, uh, as far as you know, somebody trivia night? Does yours end with, uh, you know, modern day reality television? Could you answer who all the Kardashian chicks are, or does it end in the nineties? No, or my uh, my TV trivia ends uh, just after nineteen eighty five. I maintain that there is no television after 1985. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, my, my, uh, my thing is all classic television. From 1947 to 85. Wow. Wow. I can think of anything on Nickelodeon. That's all at Nick at Night. So, Mr. Ed. I love Mr. Ed. I love yeah. Lucy. Um, I love Lucy. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I but I can't. I love I Love Lucy. I can't think. Of, I can't think of a whole bunch from forty-seven. I'm thinking more probably fifties, sixties there. In nineteen forty-seven was Maury Amsterdam show. He was the buddy on Dick Van Dyke show. Okay. He had his own program, uh, Cavalcade of Stars, which was basically a variety show in forty-seven on the Dumont Network. Wow. And that was hosted by Jackie Gleason. That was one of his first um, entrances into television. So, wow. Uh, and, and many of these variety shows had magicians on them too. Well, that's when that's when they were just getting off radio and going on the television. So, yes, yeah. there were only a handful of persons who went ra- went vaudeville radio television. That would, that would include uh, Milton Berle and, and Lucille Ball. I heard her name before. They they were ones who did that. Yeah, Natalie. Natalie is a theater. huge. My wife, Natalie, is a huge I Love Lucy fan. I am. Okay. Um, dude, we could do a whole episode just on just on TV history and, and magic and television. I like it. We're going to have you back on. Where are you going to do okay. it? We're, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes in. We're, yeah, we're, we've already diverged from, from the main course here, but that's really, <laughs> that's okay. as you can tell, one of my passions. Dude, I love it. It's awesome. So... Um, so what kind of shows are you doing now besides lecturing? I mean, are you do they have a performance area in the American Museum of Magic? Yes. We were, um, before the pandemic, we had a magician every Saturday at 1 o'clock. And that brought in more persons. You know, people are asking now about having magic shows. So we decided uh, the first week, uh, first Saturday of October, and then following, we'll, we'll start that again. So it'll be a live performance awesome. at one o'clock. It runs between thirty and forty minutes. And I will say this: the museum opened in nineteen seventy-eight, and on the fortieth anniversary, uh, twenty eighteen, I got this notion: let's do forty magicians in forty weeks. So we'll have a different magician every Saturday. And the board thought I was crazy. You know, like, oh yeah, okay, go for it. We did it. Wow. I think we had 45 different magicians uh, performing uh, across the 40, well, it was 45 weeks, it turned out. So I performed one of those Saturdays, and we had magicians all over the country calling up, hey, can I perform at the museum? Yeah, come on in, you know, or we're going to be in town. Can we perform? Yeah. Oh, so man, that's awesome. I mean, I know, I know booking the podcast can be difficult and trying to get all this stuff figured out. So getting 45 different magicians in 45 different weeks, that's, that's a lot of juggling, man. Yeah, we, we did it. And I was there for probably two-thirds of them, you know, either meeting the person for the first time or having known them before, just wanted to see their show and support them. Now, if somebody wants to hire you as a magician, how how do you bill yourself? Is it are you are you corporate? Are you family? Um, what what is Jeffrey Allen as a magician? Usually, I usually um, find out what they want, and I will do anything. I I have done corporate things. I've done family birthday parties. I've done family reunions. I've done stage shows, um, mostly parlor. Uh, I performed at the Abbott's get together this year in the showroom on Thursday afternoon okay, to a sold out. That was, um, that was more parlor style. Um, the two tricks that I mentioned earlier, I should say effects, um, are parlor oriented. So 
it worked well. And um, I had some very famous dignitaries in the audience this year. Uh, I'd say, cool. yeah. Um, you, they had a huge turnout there at Abbott's this year. Not only was I drooling over your posts about the, uh, the collector's convention, but that Abbott's convention seemed phenomenal this year. How far away is Abbott's from your museum, the American Museum of Magic? The Abbott's is 45 minutes east of the museum, okay. almost due east. Okay. It, I mean, you, you know, on a good day, you can do it in 40, but it's, yeah, I'd say for, just plan on 45 minutes. And what I was doing, I was at Abbott's and then bringing magicians over to the museum. So I think Monday, no, it was Tuesday, I brought over um, Lance Burton and company, and they did a private tour. I call them magician-only tours, where I take you through the museum, and then we go to the archive building, which is not open to the public. So what happens is when you come to the museum as a patron to, to visit, you only get to see about 40%, we estimated, of the collection through the public museum. The rest is archived. So in Matt King's post of visiting um, up there, when he found all those newspaper clippings of himself, was that in your museum or was that in Abbott's? That's in our museum. That's what I thought. You gave me a, a like a, a video that you sent to Jeff McBride that had a tour of the museum. And when I saw that yes. file cabinet and everything, I said, I bet that's where Max saw his stuff. He was surprised that you guys had so much stuff on him there. So, Yeah. Um, well, Bob and Elaine Lund started the museum, and Bob would collect anything he could find on any magician. For example, if he saw an article about you in the newspaper, say he was in Virginia, he'd cut it out and then put it into a miscellaneous folder. If he found two more items about you in time, he'd create a private folder, an individual folder for you, and then those three items would go in the folder. That's so you awesome. had to have three items to, to have a folder. And there are thousands of folders um, and millions of pieces of paper in these folders. Wow. Obviously, the bigger names, um, Matt King, Lance Burton, Thurston has a drawer instead of a folder. <laughs> I imagine, yeah. There's, um, there's about 30 ca filing cabinets there. And uh, when magicians do the magician's only tour, the first thing they want to know is, do they have a folder? Right. If you were performing before 1995, there's a chance that you could have a folder in there. Wow. Wow. Bob has a, had a folder on me when I was a teen magician, as I mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, you wonder how he got this stuff, but there I was. Amazing. My own private folder, yeah. So you guys aren't contributing to the folder anymore? Well, that's just it. It froze in 95. Okay. And then they sort of sat on this stuff as an archive. I decided when I joined the board to help raise the profile of the museum. And one of those features is to re reinvigorate uh, re or reenact the um, the folder setup. So we have a couple of options available as if you become a member of the museum. We have different levels, but at the $100 level, you can um, send some ephemera or paper material about yourself to the museum and we'll create a folder for you. Cool. It's dated as such, so it would show as as current you know it's submitted at a certain date so that we can make a determination or distinction between those that were already in there and the new ones but that's the only difference so you you sit right in the drawer with all the other magicians and it's good for researching purposes name any author in um, the magic genre they've been to the museum for research so, so how much does it cost? Is it $100 per year to get a folder? Yeah. Well, once you, once you pay the 100 for the first year, you get the folder. We don't take the folder out if you're not a member anymore. Okay, okay. Just, just to, yeah, that's just an incentive. Uh, once the folder's there, you're in. So at least the first, first uh, year is good. Dude, just we think of it like a, like, a, like a grave site. You buy the spot, and it's there forever. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. So uh, you go down in history. That's, that's awesome. That's cool. Right. So you're among, you know, you're among friends in the, in the file, filing system there. 
Oh, you're among the best of the best, man. I mean, I imagine, I imagine Thurston has stuff and Lee Grable and. Well, if you know, um, Jeffrey Allen is my stage name. Okay. It's actually part of my name, but my, I have a real last name. And, um, I sit right next to Brodine in the file cabinet. Just saying. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. Alphabetically. So yeah, me and Marshall, we're, we're right next to each other in the file so uh, so tell everybody, we're, we're hinting around about this museum. Tell them about the museum, what they'll see if they're just a spectator off the street. Let's get everybody the address. This is listened to in 33 different countries. So if other people from other countries or other states want to come visit you guys, where is it at? How much does it cost? What are they going to see? It's, a, it's in Marshall, Michigan. It's $7 to enter. Um, it's a two-story bakery that was built in the 1850s. And Bob and Elaine Lund in 1978 retired to Marshall, Michigan. <clears throat> if you hold up your, your hand, like all Michiganders, we'll show you their hand when they're talking about Michigan. Point directly at the center of your palm and then go down about an inch. That's where Marshall is. Okay. On the map. Um, when you go into the museum, you will see countless original posters. Uh, we have one big eight sheet of Carter. It's a gigantic poster at the entrance. You'll also see Blackstone material. Uh, we have Houdin's wand. We have um, Houdini uh, milk can, a Houdini underwater tank, uh, um, underwater uh, box that he used to escape off the bridge. We have um, Houdini's uh, set of handcuffs. We have his needles and thread. And someone wow. suggested that this is probably the only thing that has Houdini's DNA on it since it was in his mouth. Wow. We can clone him. Um, <laughs> yeah, last year we set up, uh, or la- at the beginning of this year, I mean, when I say last year, I mean um, 2020, sometime around December, we were setting up a, a new exhibit on Harry Blackstone Sr., and that was opened in April for the visitors. And that really encapsulates all of um, Harry Blackstone Sr.'s show, including costumes and props, his top hat. We have an original page from the Blackstone Magic Manufacturing Company, Colon, Michigan. As some of your listeners will know, it was Harry Blackstone Sr. and Percy Abbott that started the, Ma- the Blackstone Magic Company, Colin. And then shortly thereafter, those two got into an argument and Blackstone left. It became the Abbott Magic Company. Abbott's Magic Manufacturing Company is one of the oldest in the country, still in existence, but Blackstone was uh, near to be seen. Um, incidentally, Blackstones used to travel around the world doing their show and then they would um, vacation in Colin. It's a very quaint little town middle of a cornfield and enjoyed it so much but they really were the ones that brought magic to michigan having created the magic company that percy eventually took over and became uh, abbott's magic it wasn't until percy died that the new owner Riesel bordner invited harry blackstone senior to come back to the get-together at abbott's and so in 1961 you have um, harry blackstone senior coming back wow Uh, we we were talking before we came on the air here that this year's get together was epic and i sort of equate it with that 1961 event because it was a major magician that came back to colin and this year was lance burton who who has not been back since 1977 when he won the stage competition Wow. The 1961 event of Harry Blackstone Sr. coming in was, was huge as well. Well, every year it's it's something, but this year just seemed, yeah, above and beyond, yeah. Well, that's um, the work of uh, Mike Miller, who put together the show, but we had everyone, you know, name a magician, pretty much they were there in... Um, in the Flash performing, Matt King, Ice McDonald, 
you know, we, we were supposed to have Guy Hollingsworth. He couldn't come over because of the restrictions in England, but it would have been, it, I, it, even without him, it was epic. It really was. It was big. Wow. So how long does it take to do the tour of your factory? Uh, factory, of your museum? It was an old bakery factory, so that's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, the old, the old bakery. Um, well... Like for a, for a layman, how long would it take? Sure. It's mostly a self-guided tour. So we have people walking through there pretty fast, you know, just looking at stuff and wondering what it is. But for magicians, I would say a couple of hours. Okay. And then I, I add to that or subtract, depending on the time, we... Um, we go over to the archive building, look at the file folders, the 20,000 books in the library, mm. and um, the other material that's there. We, we have a lot of original pieces there in the archive as well. This would we be like a switch out. This would be like a full week uh, tour for Wes. He, he'd be going through so slow, looking at every single detail. I just know it. Dude, I could spend eight <laughs> hours at a magic shop just looking. Oh, my well, gosh, then, yeah. Well, then you better plan on a week here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, because it just brings Fun. back memories as a kid. I mean, I was the kid that carried the Abbott's catalog in my book bag. I, forget about magic books. I, I needed to shop. I needed to look. <laughs> yes. What, so. what, uh, what number did you have, Abbott's? What Dude, catalog? I know 23, 25. Um, okay. I know I had those. Yeah, mine was 20, the tan one. Okay. With the big price list, you know, that they sent separate so they could change the prices. They never published the prices in the, in the book. Because it was always subject to change. Yeah. And, you... and, they, and the early ones, I, I collect the Abbott catalogs. I have all of them. Um, they, they put numbers on it, and that started with the Blackstone Company. So the sheet that we have has four tricks on it, and they're numbered one, two, three, four. So you just call it and you say, I want number three, you know, or... Give me number 50. And it was real easy for them to package it then. You didn't have to do descriptions or anything. You just chose the number that you wanted. Wow. I think that tra- I think that changed right around maybe 17, 18. Well, see, I have... Catalog number. I know I have a few. I have, I have uh, 12 bookshelves in my garage full of catalogs, magic DVDs, magic magazines. I think I might have a handful of Abbott's, but I know I don't have all of them. Wow. That's pretty cool, man. Do you have the linking ring, which is the IBM? I have linking ring all the way to 47. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it goes, it goes back in the 20s, but... And the, and the museum has all of them from the beginning to the end. Wow. Up to now, up to date. Um, we have... Oh, just about any magazine you can think of, and some you've never heard of before. Bob was very thorough. He worked for Hearst Publishing. He was editor of Popular Mechanics magazine. He was not a magician, but he was very interested in magic all of his life and just started collecting. That's so awesome. Now, as far as um, IBM, I know you're a, a part, big part of IBM and on the... I think you're on the way to be president in the next couple of years. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you need votes, if you need a hand, if you need help getting that position. I'll get my listeners to vote, whatever we need to do. But tell me about your work with IBM. Yeah. So the IBM convention was in Grand Rapids in 2018, and I was the pre- local president of the Ring 211 Grand Rapids. And that made me the host of the convention, basically the local host and uh, just really hit it off with the persons in charge of the convention. They, they came a year earlier to look at the venue and, and everyone loved Grand Rapids. Incidentally, June Horowitz, who was the first woman to be president of IBM, lives in Grand Rapids and always wanted to be here. And she was really excited about that prospect. And um, we were going to have a tribute to her. It was going to be big. And she died a month before the convention. Oh. At 105. Oh, my goodness. Wow. She, she wow. was uh, the oldest living woman magician. She had Guinness World Book of Record. She knew Thurston. And she had um, remembers Houdini coming to her house. Her dad was a magician. He's on the cover of like a, a 1930 five edition of Linking Ring. And so 
she you know she was all things magic if you if you knew about her at all we um a month before we had gone to her house and i recorded her doing a card trick and that that's on youtube out there what do i need um, to search i'm gonna write it down what do i need to search um june, um, june horowitz um i don't remember the title but it's june horowitz uh I think you'll be able to find that there's there the news the news used that clip too that that was a video that I made of her and she's trying to turn a card over and she can't she has a little trouble so I reach in that's my hand I flip the card over for her. Wow! But June Horowitz performs a card trick. I think it's how it goes. And what was I going to say? Um, so she wanted to have the convention in Grand Rapids and it came and uh, we just. You know, I, I did all that I could as local host, and they really appreciated it, I guess. And so then they, they said, will you consider being on the board? And that's how that happened. So I got nominated to the board. Um, actually, I got I replaced someone on the board that was moving up. So then I was appointed by the president of the IBM that year. And then they voted me in for a three-year term. And I became on the, uh, that puts you on the executive committee, which is a smaller inner circle of members. My name is on the inside of Lincoln Ring under the executive committee. And uh, what happens next is if you want to go for it, you know, you can uh, move up. So you, you get nominated into the position of, um, Vice president, and then president elect, and then ultimately president. So cool. that's how that will that would unfold. Very cool. I'm sitting here watching this video of June Horowitz uh, performing a card trick. Oh, and she turned she turned a queen into a king, and she couldn't. She needed a close up pad. You got her on a TV tray. She needed. <laughs> she needed. Poor lady needed a close up pad. We yeah, it was that was spontaneous. I said, "Can you do a card trick for us?" Yeah, that's she was awesome. Barely able to talk then. But you can see uh, my hand reach in and turn the card over. That's awesome. Yeah, you helped her out. Yeah, so we recorded that, and I put that into a montage of, of, of um, pictures, kind of a Ken Burns-like with the pictures and music. Okay. It was a, um, about a three-minute tribute to her. Uh, I have that video as well because I made it, but it was, um, it was just really fun. And then Luna Shimada did a... Um, tribute to her you know as a woman magician oh that's sweet and uh that was the first night opening night of the ibm convention so all of that added together was like yeah let's do this you know and i since then have been very committed to the ibm uh, both recruiting persons and also i've done a couple of just about magics for them we did a, a mid-year meeting in pittsburgh two years ago and we offered the local magicians the Just About Magic on Sunday. It was Sean Farquhar, Oscar Munoz, Alexander, and myself. Tell me I Just About Magic. What is, what is Just About Magic? Well, these are the, they're, they're called IBM Jams. Okay, Just About Magic. Okay. They were doing, yeah, they were doing live, uh, live broadcasts every week for all during the pandemic. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Like 40 of them. Yeah, okay. They call them Just About Magic. Well, this was a live in-person one, um, January of, of 2020. And we were at Pittsburgh. We had probably 75 magicians there from as far away as Columbus and then, of course, Pittsburgh and some other places in Pennsylvania. And it was there that I did my lecture on the history of television, the history of magic as seen on television. At, on a wider on a wider scale, and some of the executives saw that, and so that's how I was able to start my little circuit, going around the rings and doing it. Now, what about doing it virtually? Have you done it virtually yet to do a lecture no, that no. way? Oh, um, that, that's where I was going with this. Um, the, the Just About Magic, I did a virtual tour of the museum on one of those Tuesday night jams. So if you're a member of IBM and you log into the magician.org website, you can look at any one of those 40-some jams, and one of them is a tour, full tour of the museum. Oh, that's neat. Wow. I have to check it what, out. What's, 
Yeah, what's also interesting is that I think that was in March, and our governor here in Michigan had just declared, uh, like, martial law almost. You weren't allowed to even go on the street. when when And it was that same night that I had driven down to the museum to do the live jam. So I start the tour by telling everyone watching, you're also watching a misdemeanor in progress. <laughs> I'm standing on the street, you know, ready to go into the museum. And, like, I'm the only one in the city. And, and uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Wow. That's crazy. But, uh, again, magician.org, log in, and then go to the jams. And sometime back in March, you'll see a full-blown tour. Uh, you know, it's crazy, but during the pandemic, I mean, I sold my television show. I, you know, I won the Penn & Teller thing. Uh, we started the podcast. I've never been busier than I was that year, and these things came out every week, and I was loving it. I was I was enjoying it, but I only watched two or three of them. I need to go back and start watching all of them. I really enjoyed what you guys put out there. Thank you for doing Thank that. You. Yeah, well, it was it was fun. And then um, uh, Harrison Greenbaum did uh, did the other part. Um, so I forgot the title of it, but he would interview magicians was on that the, the opposite week on Wednesdays. Was that the scam thing he did? Um, I, no, no. Okay, okay. I, this is different. Okay. Um, it was just an interview. It was uh, sponsored by IBM. Who books this, maybe? Who books this? That's it. There you go. Like, okay. Who books this, right? Yeah, okay. And uh, so that was that was fun, too. And no, I believe those are all on that uh, magician.org inside the video too every one of those wow I just gotta go I gotta go catch up I got some stuff to watch so so the tour you'll see the tour and that was um, the first virtual tour that I did and and since then I've done a few others I did it for the Texas Association of Magicians I did it for the group up in uh, the Houdini Club I think there were, there were I think we've done four or five virtual tours now and they, you know, they evolve too. You get better at it. You want to show new things. My magicians only tour has changed because I've discovered things. I was I spent a lot of time at the museum last year alone, and I'm finding new stuff. And uh, include that in the magicians only tour. For example, um, more recently, I've discovered that we have T. Nelson Downs kit. So it's his top hat and his cards and his coins. And I show those. Wow. So what was T. Nelson's coins like? Did they have milled edges? Were they real thick milled edges or were they? No, they're they're like aluminum. They're, they're metal. Um, they're not even real coins. Do they they're have advertisement up... coins? Lots of Iowa locations. That's where he was from. Wow. Huh. See, that's There's cool. There's a whole box of them. When I pull those out, they go... Oh, is everybody going to get one of those? I say, yeah, come on, step up and get one. No. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, and I can't tell you on this broadcast, but I'll tell you another time about the, there's a deck of cards in there too that are very interesting. And I say, since you're magicians only, I can show you these. And I reveal the secret of those cards. But it, it was, uh, I'll just say it was surprising to find those cards in his kit. Huh. All right. Being a card magician that he was. Wow. I'm surprised. Well, I mean, I, I use a Svengali deck about every daggone close-up show I do. <laughs> and I do. And if somebody knows it, they don't perform it like I do. I mean, I, I don't perform it right off the street shelf. I, I add a lot of twists and kinks. And if they know it, I say, well, great. You need another one? I sell them on a website. They're 8 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. But, um, but it kills. It does good. So as far as your lecture, if somebody wants to hire you, say, in England or something to do the lecture about magic on TV in America, could they? Could you do a virtual lecture about that? I suppose I could. I just didn't think about it. Okay. Yeah. No, because I'm thinking about for my clubs here in Virginia, you just got off tour. You're not going to get back on the road, but maybe we can well, get you I, to... No, I, I, I'm still doing it. Like I'm in Myrtle Beach on the 7th of October. If you if you can do it like the fifth or fourth or fifth of October, I'm there. Dude, I'm oh, gonna nice. I'm gonna talk to him. Seriously, this would be great. Because it's on my way, you know. All right, so fifth October. 
I got some yeah, notes I'm, here. I'm supposed to be there seventh. I think that might be a Wednesday or Thursday. It's eight hours south of where we are. Yeah, so I would be coming right across and then drop down. Okay. No problem. I think it would be awesome. So when you had your own magic you created for your lecture, tell me about those uh, magic tricks that you're selling in the lecture. Well, one of the one of them is a coin card mentalism trick. Okay. And I'm very proud of it. The audience member, I asked the audience member to think of a number between one and ten. I show five American coins. I set the coins up in heads and tail order, and then I ask them to give me the number. Uh, the cards that I have have the have the coins randomly printed on them, and they give me let's say number three. I count down the third card. And the third coin on the card uh, matches the prediction on the table of those coins. Was that clear enough? Yeah, <laughs> no, that sounds cool. So, um, yeah, it's called predictable change. And uh, I do it on the stage as well. I have large coins, and I have an audience member come up, and they think of a number between 1 and 10. I set the coins up. Uh, accordingly, and then we do the count of those cards, and that's the coin that matches what is the, the layout of the coins matches what the card says. And your other trick is that is a uh, trick where I um, discuss uh, Nikolai Tesla, one of my heroes in history. Okay. Nikolai Tesla is the one who gave us alternating current, which is what we use to power our homes today. I tell the story of Nikolai Tesla creating alternating current. And uh, of course, you know, Thomas Edison gets credit for inventing a light bulb, but I say it is Tesla who keeps it lit. Mm, there you go. And Nikolai Tesla um, is one of my heroes. In fact, I was at an auction recently and, I, and they were selling one of his jackets. Well, I couldn't afford the jacket, but I was able to talk to the owner and noticed the piece of thread hanging from the jacket. So I got a piece of thread from Tesla's jacket. Wow. Well, Tesla, the thread from the jacket has uh, interesting properties because I'm able to light a light bulb with it. That's very cool. That's cool. And that trick is called Tesla's Influence. Oh, that's very neat. So I, Are both so of those on your website? They're not on my website, no. Okay. Um, I have a friend that owns a magic shop in Scranton. The, the uh, predictable changes on there. One of the things with creating magic is, you know, as soon as it really hits the broader market, it's copied. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I've already, I've, I've held that. And also the coin trick has five uncirculated coins in it. They're real American coins. The half, the quarter, the dime, the nickel, and the penny. And the quarter, I decided since I'm from Michigan, to put a Michigan quarter in the mix. Well, it turns out that the Michigan quarter uncirculated now is about $2.50 on eBay. Oh my. Wow. So it's worth two fifty. I'm I'm putting a two dollar and fifty cent coin in the in the trick. You know, who knows what it will be down the road. So I just decided to release that version of predictable change in a, a limited number. And so I number the cards and uh you know number out of a certain amount and that's how they were released so not not a lot of people got them but enough people got them i had performed it for i actually performed for jeff mcbride and he said you're not leaving the room until you show me how to do it yeah that's awesome so i uh, yeah he got one and michael finney has one and lance burton has one uh, yeah so on the on the board members of the American Museum of Magic, are you the only full time magician there? Are most of them hobbyists or? Yes, I am the only. I am the only one right now who is a full time magician on the board. There are others. Uh, the president of the board, Mickey Blashfield, is out of Detroit. He's uh, he he has done shows, but that's not his job. We have others. Uh, there's one guy that kind of dabbles in it the others are uh one's a local educator she retired uh, from marshall and one is uh with the uh, museum group in marshall so they're not magicians but they offer you know the local flavor to the to the museum board 
Now, I, I love magic. It's an understatement. And I've bought collections. I've been given collections when my friends pass away. Um, I'll, I'll drive. I'll tell you, I drove five hours each direction for a box of magic. And the guy said that there might be something in there worth your while. I didn't know what I was going up there for. But I came home and I was very happy. Um, as far as collections at your place, do, do you end up getting a lot? Do you guys buy a lot? Do people donate it to the museum? How do you guys get new items there? Currently, we get them through donation because we're not buying. Okay. In the past, Bob collected, so he was a buyer. He was one of them that would go to the auction and keep his number up. I just say that's my expression for you know you, no one's going to outbid it. Yeah. <laughs> if he wanted it, he got it. And then he was also friends with so many magicians that they gave him stuff. He was friends with Donninger. Graskin. Wow. wow. Uh, David Copperfield, you know, when he toured, he would stop in the museum. He knew Bob. Um, who else? Um, he was friends with uh, Okito, uh, Theo Van Berg. So he, Bob has the original uh, Okito's table and checker illusion. I mean, not, not his design, but the one that he used. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. We have uh, Akito's uh, traveling trunk with his costumes in it. We have most of the Blackstone show. And uh, those were all gifts from people that he knew. He knew Will Rock, too. Will Rock was a performer for Thurston. So we got a couple of Thurston pieces. How about Dante? I love Dante. Do you have anything Dante there? Yeah, yeah we have Dante... Um, we have Dante's sword and glass um, gloves, um, a lot of ephemera from Dante. And I just, I owned personally Dante's vanishing radio from his ranch. What? Wow. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I, I just sold that at the Collector's Expo. Wow. I'm not I, sure what to feel about that right now, but <laughs> I did it. I got I to gotta go, I got to go to that Collector's Expo. Yeah, just to own a piece of Dante's history, man, that would be so daggone cool. Well, if I if I knew, I would have I would have called you. Well, no, hey, I... now you know. If you find something, you call me, <laughs> and then I got to talk to my boss, who was sitting right across the table from me right here. <laughs> sure, gotcha. <laughs> so, um, oh. you said Copperfield toured that museum in early '80s. Now he has his Library for Conjuring Arts and International Museum. Um. I think it was probably the inspiration. You think, I think, you think it's probably his inspiration for his place. You got to see his place recently. How How is that museum? It's it's beautiful. It's one of a kind. I, I've seen a lot of collections. Um, this one is very well organized and could be a public venue, but it's certainly, you know, we know it's private by invitation only. Um, just a stunning display of material on just about every famous magician. Is it going to be public eventually, you think? I can't say. I don't know. I don't know. There's one piece in the Houdini section that I can talk about. It's um, It was a modification of the milk can. Okay. Houdini uh, had designed a box that the milk can set down inside of, and so he did a double escape. He escaped from the milk can and from the crate. I've never heard of that part before. Yeah, that crate was owned by a friend of mine out of uh, Greenville, South Carolina. He, he bought it from somebody in Chicago back in the 70s and, and carried it around with him all the time he was a traveling magician and performed it sometimes as a metamorphosis kind of trick. And then he um, pottered and pottered it about six years ago, seven years ago, and David bought it. So there it was in the museum. So that was kind of interesting because I've, I've been inside that box. Wow. <laughs> That's neat. Well, see, here's the thing. I told you I, I was doing research on you and, and seeing the, the museum and stuff and seeing your everybody's posts from the collector's thing about going to Copperfield's place. And my dream last night was Copperfield was an old man and the place, I mean, he's like 80s at this point. And his clothes are a little disheveled and he's working the gift shop in the now publicly owned, you know, publicly accessible Museum and he's selling keychains and stuff and it was just like wow, 
I couldn't imagine Copperfield doing this. And his his shirt was a little disheveled, and he was an old man. And but it was still just awesome to be around him and with him at that museum. So that was that crazy dream I had. Yeah, well, that's very likely. I mean, yeah, he he personally gave us part of the tour at the beginning. Wow. And talked about his um, foray into magic and what's what he's able to do. Um, like I, I can tell you about my first magic show, but he had the stuff from the show he had, or from his first experience with magic. Um, but I don't know how much I should give away, but he, he has duplicated the Tannins magic shop that he frequented when he was a kid. So he has the photographs from the, from that time and had the shelves and everything built exactly the same way with all the magic on the shelves. So he can go in there and like relive his childhood, just walking around Tannen's magic shop. Spending eight hours trying. just looking in there, he can just go into his own museum and just sit there and stare. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he talks about having uh, first experienced a magic trick at a Macy's counter, right. Macy's in New York. Well, he has the counter. Oh my goodness! And that's where he starts. Yeah. The, I mean, the actual counter. Wow. He was able to get it from the family who. Um, the guy that was a demonstrator there, somehow they gave it to him or it was in his family and the family gave it to David. So he has that there with magic in the cabinet. And that's how he starts his tour by talking about those first magic tricks that he learned. Well, I don't, I don't know what you're giving away or I don't, I, there's so much about that place online and he's done lectures for magicians and gave Oprah a tour and all these different places a tour. So I mean, I've never been there, but I feel like I I know room for room. You know, uh, he's got the ventriloquist puppets room. He's got a magic kit room. He's got Tannen's room. The opening is Corby's, and you know, uh, so much of that stuff's already out there. But yeah, I know he likes to keep some surprises too. So yeah, so that's what it was. Um, the Corby's, and then when you come in, you're you're in the Corby's, uh, the men and boys clothing store, and then you go through the dressing room in the back of the store and that's when you enter like a little warehouse area that has all of his props from his specials so you do see david copperfield history there as well correct yes wow very cool and then you turn left you turn left into a little room and it's completely dark but then a spotlight hits that macy's counter and he's standing there and he performs a couple of the first tricks that he learned i think one of them is the actual you know, the actual piece. Uh, I mean, do you have anything that you had when you were a kid? I mean, or I, I have I have a red silk scarf that I used to use when I was a kid. That's the only thing I have from that time. Yeah, I'm crazy. I'm crazy enough. I have everything. I have everything. Yeah. Um, so, I like I like yeah. when I beat a table uh, like a like a show table that I've that I've taken to thousands of shows. I really have okay. a hard time letting it go. It's like, do I need it anymore? What do I do with it? The wood's chipped off of it. I would never use it in a show. I've bought four more since then, but I still have that old one because I don't. I, I don't know. It's been with me. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what he asked. So you come in there and, and you're at the counter and he performs his tricks, and then he talks about moving up to Tannins and he flips on or he has a remote and he turns on the lights and suddenly you're in does Macy's counter is really dwarfed by the Tannins shop. So this isn't just a, a tour, though. This is a show. You're, you're getting this to see. A show. You're seeing a yeah. show. It's a performance. It's, yep, it's turned into a show. And then and then as you leave Tannins, you're going in their back door, or back room, and now you're in the back of Tannins with all the props on the shelves back there. Wow. So he's done that, too. Wow. And that includes a lot of original pieces. You know, I was talking about Aikido. Earlier, he's got every Aikido piece. He's got Houdini props, Keller props. They're all on these shelves in the back room. And then different sections in the museum, a Houdini section. Uh, it's, uh, there's a small display of Shimada. These are things that I, you know, resonated with. So I remember them, but just about every magician, Dante, Keller, Thurston, original props. Wow. Well, dude, can you believe we've already done an hour? We have like five minutes wow. left. Is there anything you want to um, 
pitch one last time? Do you want to, um, AmericanMuseumOfMagic.com, JeffreyAllenMagic.com, uh, TikTok, JeffreyAllenMagic, Instagram, JeffreyAllenMagic. That's it. And um, when, when they send out the elections for, um, president for IBM, make sure you, you mark Jeffrey Allen. Right, right, something like that. Dude's got a love and passion of magic, guys. You gotta let him in. I do. That that's my main thing. I I tell people um, the the preservation of magic, the history thereof. You know, I I'm very interested in in letting people know the about the magicians that we stand on. You know, that um, kept the art alive, and you know we can look back and see what they did. Some of them were not so great. They were what they call 40 milers. They, they went within 40 miles of their house. They are tall grass guys, uh, lesser knowns, and they're in the museum as well. But nonetheless, they contributed to this greater art that we have in um, you know, keeping it alive. If they sparked someone's interest, that sold a ticket for Houdini, Blackstone, because they were introduced to magic through those 40 milers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And by the way, those 40 milers were, you know, sparked by somebody too. And somebody we might even not even know. But they're probably in the museum. That's so awesome. Well, I got to have a magic legacy. So I'm going to have my wife give you guys a hundred bucks and I'm going to give you a bunch of, uh, a bunch of newspaper clippings from my mom's collection. There you go. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready for it. Just send send, send in your check and your material note. Um, just put it to my attention, actually, and, and we'll make the folder. I really didn't get started in magic till '96. Like you know, I was doing little oh, okay. birthday, I was doing little birthday parties and things. But I don't think there might be a picture of a kid wearing a balloon animal I made in newspaper with saying "magician" at the event prior okay. to '95. Um, but my name in the paper, especially my face or cover, that wasn't until later. So yeah. So I didn't make it, on it. I need to. I now got to pay to get in, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. The other the other possibility that I didn't mention is if you're a lifetime member of IBM, that will automatically get you a folder too. You become a member of IBM lifetime. Well, so I might as well be. A... I'm not going anywhere. We you pay it every year. I pay it every year. I've always just done it year by year. What does it cost for a yeah. lifetime membership? Wow, I, I can't tell you because they, they changed the structure and it's based on your age and uh, the amount of years and all that stuff. So you have to, you'll have to just go and see. I really don't have the exact numbers, but I'm on the committee for lifetime members of IBM. And I said, here's what we're going to do. And, you know, it just becomes one of the perks of lifetime member. Dude, that's awesome. That's cool. I mean, there's no reason I shouldn't be. I, I might as well just go ahead and do that too. Thank you so much for everything, man. Thanks for your time. Thanks for being here. I can't wait to go see the American Museum of Magic. I, I get so jealous seeing everybody's posts and seeing everybody walking through there. I'm like, oh, God, go see this place. So thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah. that video you sent me, is there any videos of the tour online that people can find? Um, just uh, the, the main one is at magician.org. I think that would it, – and this, it's actually me. It's a video uh, giving a tour – and it's more than an hour long. Okay, and that's magicians only, magician.org. Yeah. Okay, okay. The, well, the, the IBM members. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. All right. Cool, dude. I don't know any other place where the video might exist. What I sent you was a little flyover that lasts a couple minutes. No, it was awesome, though. It was cool. I'm going to check that out. Thank you so much. JeffreyAllenMagic.com, AmericanMuseumOfMagic.com. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Stay on the line real fun. quick. I have a couple plugs real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, we are so happy to announce that our new show merch is now available at WesEisley.com. That's logo t-shirts, my TV podcast t-shirts, Magic Man hats, stickers, playing cards, and more. Check it out at WesEisley.com. And season two of Wes Isley's Magic Life is now over, but you can still binge watch all of season one and two on Jewel TV. Jewel TV is on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and the Jewel TV app, and tons of other places. It's in over 100 million households. All you have to do is look for it. See, See you, you next week. week. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Express Copy and Graphics. Mention promo code Wes Isley to get 10% off. Their website is expresscopy.com. That's X-P-R-E-S-S 
www.copy-copy.com. They do it all. Copies, banners, signs, vehicle wraps, promo items, practically anything you need printed, they can do it for you. These guys are great. Check them out. Check us out online at wesisley.com and patreon.com forward slash Wes underscore Isley for behind the scene videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I. -E